You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through our Christmas series called God With Us. Open your Bibles with me uh, to John chapter 1, and we'll be going through verses 1 through 18, and then we'll kind of be all over the place. Uh, From there, and all the verse references will be there on the screen if you're a note taker. Uh, So let's pray, and let's read the Word of God. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Lord, and we know, Lord, that you're here. Lord, your Spirit is in us, Lord, and uh, your presence Lord, is always with us, especially when we're joined together to study your word, to worship you, Lord, in, in song and in teaching and all of the ways that we can worship you, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you would guide us through the scripture tonight, Lord, that you would teach us, Lord, that you would use my words, Lord, to just plant your word deep in the hearts and souls of every person here in this room, Lord, and that we would know you better, Lord and grow in our understanding of who you are tonight. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness to the light, that all might believe in him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. The word was in the beginning. Now, when I read that passage of Scripture, I hope you the same. When I see in the beginning, where does my mind go? To the beginning, right? To the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God. That's all you need to know. In the beginning, God. And that's incredible, right? And John wants the reader to take their mind to that place when they read this passage of Scripture. If, you're, if, if your mind doesn't say, in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, then John hasn't accomplished his task because that's exactly what he wants us to do. He wants to tell us that Jesus is not God's idea of how to fix mankind. Okay? He's not God's... I, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, he was, he's not a last-ditch effort to save us. Because, oh, this plan of creation, Adam and Eve, all these things just didn't work out the way that God thought that they were going to work out. And I think sometimes we see Jesus like that. But the Bible clearly states right here that Jesus is God. He is creator. He is life and the very reason to live. Jesus is God. We're talking about Christmas, everybody's favorite. Christmas passage in the Bible is a prophecy, right? I mean, there's a couple of them in the book of Isaiah. We're going to look at Isaiah 7, 14. In Isaiah 7, 14, okay, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. 
This is a prophecy from the book of Isaiah about the Messiah. He's going to come from a virgin, and his name will be called Emmanuel. What you guys know, that means God with us. The Scripture tells us directly that it means God with us. If you'll remember in the book of Matthew, okay, uh, an angel visits Joseph. Joseph finds out Mary that's pregnant, and he says, ooh, no way. That's cultural shame right there. I don't want that brought up on my family, I, but I love her family, and I love her. I don't want to shame her. I'm going to put her away quietly. That's what the Scripture says. Then he went to sleep. And the Bible says an angel visited him in the night and said, that baby is not of, un, it's not of natural means. That baby's of the Holy Spirit. It was put there by God. And you need to marry her, and you need to move forward, and you're going to call his name Jesus. You're going to call his name Jesus. And Joseph did. So Jesus, which means salvation, and then as the Bible's talking about this, it says to fulfill the prophecy from Isaiah 7, 14. Emmanuel, God with us for our salvation. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, salvation. God with us, salvation. This was to fulfill prophecy that God would be with us, not just that his spirit would be with us in presence like we have right now, but that God would be with us in person. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. God with us in person. Verses four and five tell us that Christmas, that Christ is the light in the darkness. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I love Christmas lights. You guys like Christmas lights? Isn't it kind of fun at Christmas to drive around, see everybody's Christmas lights, right? Uh, there's a couple of neighborhoods around. Uh, I know there's one in Boynton. It's called the ABC neighborhood. It's right off Lawrence. There's a street down that neighborhood. It's like E or D or E or something like that. Okay, one of those streets, oh, they do Christmas lights like crazy. They put archways over the things. It's so cool. You can go, you can park your car, you can walk. Every neighbor does it. And they create this like little walkway, and it's like this fantasy wonderland. Or Hoffman's Chocolates. You guys ever go to Hoffman's Chocolates for the lights? I did that one year. It's a lot of fun. I love Christmas lights. They're great, right? We all went to, to Delray Beach on Tuesday. We had a little booth. Uh, the whole reason that that festival was taking place is to light that 100-foot Christmas tree. Anyone see it? Did you guys see it? Do you see that 100-foot Christmas tree? Can you imagine how many lights it takes? Does anybody know? Usually they tell you. 13 miles worth of strands of lights. Wow, that's incredible. That's a lot of lights, right? That's a lot of lights. And the Scripture is telling us, okay, that Jesus, God, is the light. That's what he's telling us in verses four and five. And so the reason that I bring up Christmas lights is because I love Christmas. I love Christmas lights. And really, they don't have much to do with the scripture, right? But here's the thing. This is what I like to do. When I see those lights, and you all know, the best time to see them is in the dark, right? If you go Christmas light looking in the middle of the afternoon, you're going to be disappointed, okay? But in the dark, they shine, and they're beautiful. 
And that is one of the things that we see here in this passage of Scripture. If you know anything about when Jesus came, oh, it was dark. Society was wicked. First century A.D. Sometimes we think we have it pretty bad. Okay, we look at our society, we look at all the sin in our society, and we're like, oh, this, these type of behaviors and uh, this adultery and these things, marriage hardly means anything in today's culture, and homosexuality and gay marriage and uh, abortion, all of these types. Of, none of that is new to Rome. All of that stuff was happening in Rome. All of it. Jesus was born in the midst of that type of darkness. But here's why. Because the light shines the brightest in the darkness. So when we look at our Christmas lights, when we drive around and we see them, remind your kids, remind yourself that Jesus came to be light in the darkness. Just like these lights light up the darkness and make this place beautiful, Jesus came to be the light in that darkness. John, uh, verses 6 through 8 remind us that the source of that great light, the light of life, was not from men. That's why he mentions John the Baptist here. He says, and John the Baptist came, and he was the forerunner. He came as a messenger. But guys, listen to me. He wasn't the light, is what John's trying to tell them. Sometimes when we see somebody doing incredible things for the Lord, we look at them and they're like, oh, they shine so bright for Jesus right? But here's the problem. We begin to glorify that person. And I've seen it time and time again in ministry. We elevate men above God. But here's the reality is that John is telling us, no, don't. John, great guy, right? He's a righteous guy. God selected him to be a forerunner. He has a great message, okay? Bringing this message of Jesus. We know that John the Baptist was introduced at the same time as Jesus because Elizabeth was pregnant the same time as Mary was pregnant. And when Mary showed up, John leaped in Elizabeth's belly, the Bible says. She could feel it because John was so excited. He was so excited as a baby, inside of the belly, the scripture says that he leaped, that you could, there was an internal thing going on, Elizabeth said. Wow! But John is saying, hey, don't look at him and don't look at other men. If you see light in somebody shining in the darkness, that's Jesus in them. That's who it is. And that's an incredible thing. But all glory and honor needs to be given to Christ. When light is shining in the midst of the darkness. So when people see that light in you, because I know it's in you, I know the majority of you pretty well, and I know that light's in you, point them to Jesus. When they say, what's different about you? What's different? If anyone ever asks that about you, there's two things that could be going on. Either you're a terrible person and they're asking, what's wrong? But in all honesty, if you are, they're probably not asking what's different about you because you're going to blend in just fine. If you're mean, say mean things sometimes, right? But here's the reality. When we're the light, when we show the love of Christ, we stand out. It's different. We stand out. That is the light of Christ in you. Point them to the Savior. Point them to the Savior, the source 
of your life, right? In verse 9, in John chapter 1, it says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, to his, and his own people did not receive him. He came. He came. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Did you receive him? Have you received him? Have you received Jesus. The scripture says that he made the world. We talk about Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God. And over the, summers we t- over the summer, as we talked about that passage of scripture from Gen- John chapter 1, that the word became flesh, we talked about the fact that in the beginning reminds us of that word God. And the Hebrew word for God there is Elohim. And that word means judges, and it's plural, and it means three or more, showing that God in his fullness was there in the creation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all of them together, God, one, creating the universe. The Bible says right here, it says that he was in the world, and the world was made through him. And there was nothing made that was not through him. Colossians chapter 1 tells us the same thing. We all know the stories from the Gospels. The Pharisees didn't receive him, did they? It says his own didn't receive him. His own people didn't receive him. They looked for a reason to convict him. And to kill him. Psalm 118.22 says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the very cornerstone. The builders, those that were chosen, Israel, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they didn't receive him. The Jewish people, they didn't receive him. Jesus was the embodiment of everything they had ever learned. The embodiment of Scripture. He was everything they've ever studied and knew about. He was the fulfillment of their law. He had fulfilled every prophecy about the coming Messiah. And they still couldn't see it. He did miracles to try to show them. He did everything, and they still couldn't see it. As I said earlier, as I was reading this book and talking to a friend of mine, Sometimes I think the church is suffering from this today. We have turned the gospel into doing. We have turned knowing Jesus into how good I look or what types of things I do or how I perform, how well I react to a situation. But that's not really what the gospel is about. The gospel is the fact that God came And he became a man and lived a perfect life and went to a cross because you and I, they ain't much good about us. Anything good that you see in me is because of him. It's that light shining in the darkness. And that's what we have to understand. It's not about me doing. The doing is a byproduct about being with Christ, the reason that he came. The greatest gift ever given 
is the gift of salvation. Christmas isn't about lights. It's not about parties. It's not about gifts. These are great and fun, though, aren't they? I love lights. I love parties. And I love gifts. Right? We all do. But guess what? These things are also stressful. Right? Does Christmas ever stress you out? Is decorating the house often just one more thing you got to do on the pile of things that you got to do? Guys, right? Put the lights up on the house. Oh, got to get the ladder out. I got to, I was going to rest today. Yeah, but the neighbors got theirs out already. Come on. It's September. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That was a, <laughs> right? It's not about all of these things. Christmas is about the fact that God became a baby. He became a man because of his great love for you. He became a man. The Jews, they didn't receive him when he came. Have we received him? Are we receiving him? Salvation's not just about a moment in your life. It's about a daily encounter with Christ, walking with Him. He came and He gave His life to be with you so that we could have communion with God again, like Adam and Eve did. If you look at the, the Garden of Eden, they walked with Him, they talked with Him, they were with Him all the time. I'm not going to sing it again, you're fine. Okay? Have we received Him? Because here's the thing, verse 12 tells us if you have, if you have, this is cool, right? It says, but to all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You are a child of God, if. What? You are a child of God if. The scripture says it clearly here. Here's what you need to do, right? You need to receive him and believe. You need to receive him and believe. I often hear people saying, oh, we're all children of God because he created us. That's not true. That's not scriptural. The scripture says right here that we are given the privilege to be called sons and daughters, children of God, if we receive him and believe. If we receive him and believe. Here's the reality. Every man, woman, and child is an image bearer. We're an image bearer. That's what we can say. But we're not all children of God, right? We're not all children of God. We're children of God when we believe in Him, when we've received Him. And that just reminds us it's not some heady knowledge about Jesus. It's not just understanding who He is. Receiving Him is allowing Him to sit on the throne of your heart. Those tough decisions that are uncomfortable, that we don't like, but we know are the righteous ones, that's what it means. It means being in his presence, not just that heady belief, right? You became an adopted child. 
That's what the scripture says. Because he came down, you became an adopted child. That's a pretty great gift, right? You guys ever watch those Hallmark movies? Are there any Hallmark junkies in here? Yeah, my daughter back there, she just can't help herself. She goes home and she says, I just want to watch a Christmas movie. I'm like, okay, well, here's Home Alone. Here's The Grinch. Here's uh, this Christmas movie, Charlie Brown's Christmas. She's like, no, one of those sappy love story Christmas movies. I'm like, Hallmark Channel, right? Where you find those. You know those things. Uh, They're awful, right? They're so cheesy. They're so awful. But there's a whole bunch of them, guys. I know. That's what makes them great is you can laugh and cry all at the same time. We get to experience the full range of emotions in a Hallmark movie. I can laugh because the acting's so bad, but I can cry because the story is so good. (laughs) Right? That's why we love them, hate them. Love, hate them. You guys have a love-hate relationship with Hallmark movies, right? Yes. Okay? But here's the reality. Uh, There's a lot of those movies that deal with kids in orphanages and things like that. And the greatest gift in some of those movies is that kid actually finding a forever home. And at Christmas time every year, there's an organization in uh, South Florida called uh, Four Kids. And they send out little letters and they say the greatest gift ever given to a kid is a forever home. And here's the reality, guys. We were lost. We were lonely. We were without our creator. And God gave us a forever home. It's the greatest gift ever. See, don't you want to cry like a Hallmark movie? Because it's beautiful. It's not just some sappy love story. It's a beautiful picture of God's grace. It's the greatest gift ever. God came in flesh. Verse 14 This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I love this one. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because He was before me. God in flesh the cost of Christmas, the cost of Christmas. Jesus is God who was in the beginning, who is the creator of all things, who John said without, nothing, out, without him nothing would be made. He came to give us the greatest gift of all with the highest price tag. Have you ever wanted to get somebody something for Christmas, but it was just too expensive? You knew they'd love it but it's too expensive. It's too expensive. Something that the person really wanted, and you're like, can I rearrange some things? Can I do some things? I love this person so dearly, but the cost is so great. I don't know. Do we not eat for a week so I can give this person a present? Do we eat ramen noodles and peanut butter sandwiches for a couple of weeks, a month, depending on how expensive? Uh, This happened to me the other day. I had this great idea for a Christmas gift for one of my kids. Not something they asked for, but something that I felt like, oh, this would be incredible. This would be great, right? And Black Friday came, and I saw an ad, and it was great. 
because this item was 40% off plus an additional 25% off at the register. I love sales, right? My favorite nine-letter word is clearance. I love it. If I go into a store, I always look for the sale rack. I cannot go to Target. I'm telling you, I went today. I cannot go to Target without passing by the 30 to 70% off rack. I just can't do it. And I'll tell you, I found some great deals. I got a couple of pair of pants that I paid $4.98 for, and they're nice. $4.98, you guys, right? Okay? Right? How many of you counted clearance when I said that, right? It's nine letters of promise, right? Okay, so 40% off plus an additional 25% off at checkout. Now I can afford this incredible gift. This is going to be awesome. So I went and I stood in line. This is one of those places where you had to stand in line and wait for somebody to take care of you. Okay, you couldn't just grab this item and look at it. It's all locked up, right? Because it's pretty expensive. And I went and I looked and I saw something similar, and I saw the price tag flipped over, and I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> a little bit of a heart attack. And I was patient. I was like, we'll go for something a little, little smaller, a little different than maybe I was thinking initially. And I saw it, and the lady pulled it out. And it was approximately eight times more than I had imagined, price-wise. I obviously had not done my research very well. Uh, I was remembering from past when things that I was looking for used to cost a certain amount. And the lady behind the counter, when she saw my reaction, she said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Let me do the math because this is going to be great. Okay? So she starts doing the math and she comes back and she says, it's only two times as much as you had budgeted only two times as much as you had budgeted. <laughs> well, then give me three. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't. It doesn't fit my budget. I can't do it, right? I had to walk away. I'll tell you what it is if you want to buy it. I'll tell you where to get, I'm kidding. <laughs> this was material. And the reality is, is this material thing would bring temporary joy. And the truth of the matter is, is that I can ask my kids what they got for last Christmas. And most of them are like, uh, was that the year you got me? Uh, I don't know. What did you get us? I have no idea. Right? Some things they remember. I mean, if you're getting your kid like a PS5 or something, they're going to remember that. They'll be like, that's when I got my PS5. Okay? But some things, not so much right? The ultimate price was paid, death, because he loved you. Death was the ultimate price that Christ paid for our sin, but it cost him so much more than we can even imagine, and he did it to give us the greatest gift of all. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. I love giving gifts, guys, and God loves giving gifts too, but his are so much better than ours is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The cost, read Isaiah 52 and 53. It's the prophecy of the suffering servant. It says he was rejected, he was beaten, he was bruised, he was pierced through, he was despised, he was held in low esteem, he was crushed for our iniquities. John 17, later on in the same book that we're studying right now, it says he gave up his glory 
Jesus prays and he says, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. He laid down a good part of his glory to become flesh, to walk with us, to go to a cross for us. 1 Corinthians 5.21 says that he who knew no sin became sin. He didn't carry it to the cross in a black trash bag. He became that sin that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And because he became that sin, Psalm 22.1 and Matthew 27.46 tell us that he was separated from the Godhead because of that sin. As he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus cries from the cross. We talked about it all this summer. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had to be separated. The cost was so great. But he paid it because he loved us. The holy God, the creator of the earth, would put on human flesh and live as one of us and then die a criminal's death in our place so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And he did it all so that we get to be in his presence again, so that we get to be surrounded with his holiness, so that we become righteous, and it's all because of God's mercy and his grace. We're going to finish with this in verses 16 through 18. It says, For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Grace upon grace. Isn't that a beautiful saying? Grace upon grace. It's God's gift to us. God's gift of salvation to you is the greatest gift that has ever been given. Greater than any Christmas gift you've ever received. Greater than anything that we can imagine. It's a gift given out of grace not because of anything that we have done, but because of what he has done for us. The scripture says grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Grace means unmerited favor, unearned favor. God's grace goes beyond unearned favor. It's grace upon grace. It's compounded grace. It's so much more. It's not that you just didn't earn it. He lavishes it upon you. He lavishes it upon you. He wants to bless you so richly. Ephesians 2, 8 reminds us, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. As you buy your gifts for me this season, my list is on the back table in case you need help. I'm kidding. As you buy your gifts for your loved ones this Christmas, don't forget that the greatest gift was purchased at the greatest cost because Jesus loves you. We're going to move into a time of communion and we're going to celebrate the cross, the work that God came down to do. When we celebrate Christmas, we have to realize God cloaked himself in flesh as a baby, as a baby. He could have come as a full-grown adult, but he chose to come as a baby and live the entire human life, experiencing all of what it means to be a teenager, 
in his twos and his threes, for those of you guys that are experiencing that right now. Not that he sinned, don't get me wrong, okay? But he did it all. And he did it all so he could hang on a cross and die for you. So that we could be here, so that we could sit in his presence, so that we could take communion, so that we could talk to him, so we could pray directly to him so that we could feel his presence and his love surround us. He loves you. Remember that this is why we celebrate Christmas. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.